Uh, Turn with me, please, uh, in your Bibles uh, to James chapter 5. Uh, David Morrow uh, last week uh, said that um, you could come to the pastor, uh, as he sort of referred to me as, uh, if you want uh, any help with some difficult issues. But uh, he actually left me with the two most difficult verses. He stopped at verse 18. uh, So you can thank him for that. As we finish James 5 today, we're dealing with the, um, the two most controversial verses of the entire book. But we'll not stop at that. As we say goodbye uh, to James, uh, I wonder what your memories of the book have been. Of course, we began to study James uh, back in front of a screen, uh, back uh, when we all had the the difficulty of lockdown. And we're thankful, aren't we, to to be able to finish uh, in church, uh, in person, in the flesh uh, today. It's been a book about faith whilst scattered. That's what we called the series. And of course, James's congregation were scattered and, and so were we. It's been a book about faith uh, in action. It's not just what you believe. Uh, no, it's, it's how you respond. Uh, uh, Sunday's belief affects Monday, for sure. It's been a book of practical wisdom. Uh, the, the preacher, uh, sometimes, you know, we, I listen to to younger preachers, and I, people ask me about preaching, and, and, and they ask, what's the difficult thing? And it's, it's, it's this, it's, it's application. In other words, um, to, to bring the, the, the then and the there of God's word to the here and now, it's, it's much, much easier to explain what the text says than to show how it affects us, in other words. But not in James. No, no, no. It's, it's easy in James because more than in any other book, I think, uh, it, it, James's words are loaded with, with application. You'll remember, it as I take you through it, chapter 1, count it joy in, in trials. God is at work. Don't doubt, he tells us. Ask in faith. Don't just hear the word. Do it. Care for orphans and widows and keep yourself unstained from the world. Chapter 2. Show no favoritism in church. Love your neighbor as yourself. Chapter 3, control your tongue. Uh, It's a fire. Pursue godly wisdom. Chapter 4, don't fight and quarrel in church. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Submit to God. Don't make plans without God in the picture because he's sovereign. Chapter 5, don't treasure in this world. No, invest in the next one. Be patient because God's at work and he knows best. Don't be forced to use an oath to tell the truth. Just tell the truth in any case. Call for the elders if you're sick. Pray for one another to be healed. And after all that, you could be forgiven for thinking that the last words of of the letter should be standard. I don't know, formulaic. That kind of straightforward, you know, go easy on them at the end because, you know, he's been, he's been giving them lots of homework and it's the end of term, you know, don't, don't give us any more. But no, <laughs> maybe, maybe you're expecting like Second Corinthians, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all and then that's it. Or, or maybe like, like First Peter, uh, peace to all of you who are in Christ and, and that's it, closed. But no, not for James. He doesn't do formula. He doesn't do going easy. What he presents his churches at the very end amounts to something of a theological sting in the teal. Uh, A head scratcher with more than a little to do and contained in it. 
My brothers, this is James chapter 5, verse 19. Have a look. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let's firstly look at anyone this morning. Anyone. James is um, speaking about the possibility of a falling away affecting anyone. But he's not talking about just anyone out there. Uh, He's speaking of anyone among you. He he writes to the Christians. Uh, And so speaking of anyone, it's speaking of anyone in the local church. He has his, his own people in, in his mind. And, but, but, but the possibility is, of course, universal. James is speaking about the very real possibility of someone in a local church wandering, to use his word. Wandering is the same word translated planet uh, in English. So, you know, setting alone across the, the night sky uh, like a planet. You, you can see Mars this month if you're, if you're out on a clear night. Uh, it has a sort of reddish look about it. It's in the eastern sky. It's very bright, but it moves. In other words, it, it's, it's not fixed like in a constellation like, um, like the stars in, in the plough or in, in uh, Orion's belt, for example. This person is cut loose from, from others. They, they have separated themselves to an extent from others, but, but it's more than that. What have they wandered from? They've wandered from the truth, it says. Now, that sounds like something you believe, and, and of course it is something you can, you can know at John 8, 32, and you, can, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth that, that mirrors us safely to God and his ways. But the truth here in James is actually more than that. In, in Jewish thinking, if you were a Jew back in these days, uh, what you believe it would never be just sort of separated from what you do. They didn't have sort of separate boxes for, you know, doctrine and, and morals. No, the truth is something people believed, yes, but, but it's also something people did. Let me show you. John three twenty one. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You can do what is true, according to John 3. In other words, you can, you can behave the way of the truth. You can do what is true as well as believe it. It starts in your heart, doesn't it? That, that God is real and, and good and true and holy. It, it starts in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that, 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 that God is trustworthy. It exists in your mind. Uh, your, your will is, is, is moved by that. Uh, and then you begin to behave like it. You begin to follow his, his word when it says things like, have no other gods before me, or be content with such things as you have, or, or do not lie, or do not steal starts in your heart. But if it starts in your heart that God is mean and that he sort of wields a big stick, that he sort of has a, a frown as he looks at you permanently, or, or that um, he, you, know, you, you doubt his, his word, his trustworthiness, or, the, or you think that Christians are hypocrites, or, or that nobody really cares about you, well, then you might very quickly find another way to live, wouldn't you? 
another, another God, a, a better one, uh, pleasing yourself or, or, or find other words to live by. And very soon that shows itself in how you live, doesn't it? You start to do things for me. Uh, you, you start to, to feed your, your passion, whatever it now is, whatever else it is. You start to, I don't know, isolate or start looking at stuff online that lures you in or, 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 or strong drink or something or, or bringing others down a peg or two or things like this. Lots of things, possibly. And church, well, just seems like a bad idea. I mean, sure, you can think of better ways to spend your time. Sad when this happens. So, so sad. But it does. Who, who can it happen to? Is, is it the young believer? Is that what James is talking about? Is, is it the weak-minded? James tells us it can happen to anyone. Doesn't he? Anyone. 1 Corinthians 10. That's a chapter all about idolatry and sort of temptation, sexual temptation. Paul says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Anyone. It could happen to any of us. Long in the tooth saints. Elders included, me included, you included, be on your guard. So if it's anyone, then we all need to be sensitive to the sort of slow moral wonder that we could, we could, we, we could be on. You know the story about the frog in the boiling pot? You know, you throw him in when the water's boiling and he jumps right back out again. But if you put him in when it's cold and turn the heat up slow, he, he's just going to sit there. Until he's dead. It's a slow creep that gets him. Be careful. Be careful about any moral wandering in your life. Guard your heart from that thing, whatever it is. Be careful what, what you watch. Don't, don't think, you know, there's a free hit of that naked stranger on the television. That's fine. It's not. That's a place of intimacy you've no right to see. Just be careful what direction your relationship with Jesus is in. Ask yourself, is it going forwards or is it going backwards? That's anyone. Now notice someone. Someone. There's a need for someone. If, so, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. James is talking about spiritual reclamation here, isn't he? The idea here is that someone has noticed the anyone uh, wavering, someone wandering in the local church. They've spotted something amiss. Now, this is not from sort of some sort of lofty position themselves. For, of course, we all have a multitude of sins that need covered, to use James's language. Uh, we're, we're all at the same time justified and sinner to quote Martin Luther, who famously said that in Latin, much better sounding than that, but there you go. We're, we're, we're not from coming from a lofty position here. No, no, this person is coming from a position of fellowship with the Lord and, and seeking to, to live in a way that pleases and honors him, from a, from a position of, of loving others, from a, from a position of we, not me. Someone who notices the wayward brother or, or sister. And notice that, that James is not talking about the pastor or the elders noticing. He doesn't say that. He just says, someone. Isn't that right? There, you see, there's a, there's a collective thing about, about the New Testament church that, that we probably need to recover if we have lost 
this in our individualistic, I don't know, kind of consumer view of church that's just sort of normal for us. We exist to glorify Christ, but we also exist to build one another up, uh, to, to look out for one another. A few verses up in verse 16, it says that this, uh, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. But it's all over the New Testament to tell the truth. Every time you, you read one another, it's, it's there. Uh, ask yourself, would I notice if that person sitting in front of me or beside me fell away? Ask yourself if I'd care. That's challenging, isn't it? This teaches us that, that, that our private lives cannot be off limits in church. You know, we need to know each other to do this. Isn't that right? We need to know each other to pray. We need plenty of you know, dry weather on a Sunday so we can be in the car park and have a conversation. We need plenty of how are you during the week. We need those connections between us. We need WhatsApp on a real and, and meaningful level, meeting up as soon as we possibly can again. So that someone notices. So that someone cares. Perhaps you think that if you went up to someone and mentioned something that you didn't think was quite right, that they'd be like, well, who do you think you are? <laughs> I mean, who, who, who voted you in as the next elder? Yeah? But if we listen to God's word, if we as we must, right? If, where we, we read again and again of our collective responsibility for one another, if we're, if we're all humble enough to, to take it as well as give it, because, of course, it could be anyone, then this is possible. It's possible to, if you hear it in love, uh, if it comes in love. We have a responsibility, Man's responsibility is to, is to look out for his or her, her fellow believer. That's, that's clear. And we can be an important cog in, in the wheel of God's work in, in restoring the brother or sister into the fold of the church family again. Finally, and in the main part of this, let's consider whoever. Whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Lots of tricky issues here. Lots of who's who. Firstly, let's ask who is saved from death? Who's saved from death? Whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death. Who's the his? You see, you could read it. That, that the one who does the restoring... That that saves his soul from death as a result. You see? You could read it like that. Almost like an act of self-salvation. I'll go around and save a few and I'll be saved. Which is precisely why this is not the meaning. There's no self-salvation in the Bible. There might be in the Quran. There might be in the Hindu scriptures. But there's no, none of that in the Bible. Because salvation is a work of God. It's not a work of man. And important principle, okay, you never hang any doctrine on one passage of Scripture. No, we have a whole Bible. Clearly, it's the one who's brought back that is saved from death. Whose sins are covered? Second question, whose sins are covered? Is it, again, the one who restores 
Or is it the one who is restored? Because again, you could read it both ways, the way this is written. And if you read it in the original, it wouldn't give you any more of an answer either. It's sort of ambiguous. Some commentators believe that James leaves it this way to remind his readers that both the anyone who falls away and the someone who restores have a multitude of sins. Which is true, isn't it? Which reminds us, very important to remind us, the extent of our forgiveness. When I was brought to Christ, millions of sins were covered over. That's what Psalm 85 verse 2 says. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. When you were brought to Christ, millions of sins were covered over. Let's just remind ourselves of that. The Old Testament uh, sacrifices, well, they, they covered the sins of God's people, but that was only temporary. That's why they had to keep on doing it. But, but the real thing, of course, is permanent. Uh, the real thing is Christ, uh, the better sacrifice, the, the permanent covering. You see, it's the real work of God. God is deeply, deeply offended by our sin. And yet, in his deep love, in his compassion, in his mercy, he reaches down, he, he comes down in the person of Jesus, his own son, and rescues us when we return from our own way and brought to God. God does this. God alone does this. That's when we all receive saving from death. Our souls are saved from eternal death when Jesus takes our punishment, when he pays the price with his own death, when, when he rises to show that it was completed, signed, sealed, delivered, and a multitude of sins are covered over. What is the status of the rescued? Of course, that's the real debatable issue here, isn't it? That's the real question. What's the status of that rescued person at the very end of James? You can start a, a whole debate in that. Is he or she a converted man or woman? Is he or she a backslider, if such a thing exists? Was he or she never converted in the first place? And there are follow-up questions too. Because if it's a converted man or woman who's backslid, then can their salvation be lost? That would, verse 20 would seem to suggest that it could. You see it there. Save a soul from death. Now, the easy answer to this and to most of what are known as the problem passages in the book of Hebrews, I don't know if you've heard about that. If you haven't, don't worry about it. But, but the easy answer is to say that these people were never saved at all, that they just appeared to be. None of those who've fallen away were ever saved. None of those were ever converted. And that solves a whole lot of messy problems very easily. And that's possible, but I'm not entirely convinced. Okay? The clean answer isn't always the right answer. What about backsliders? Well, in Northern Ireland, in Northern Ireland evangelicalism, we seem to have more than our fair share of backsliders. And that's a puzzling matter. Why is that? A matter, in fact, I've spent time mulling over this. I have conversations with, with people about this to try and think through this. And the best I've come up with is that, that it comes from a correct doctrine. You cannot be truly saved and lost. 
That's, that's true. You cannot be saved and lost. That's taught in many places in Scripture. Think about John 10, 28, speaking about his sheep. Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Lots of elect language, lots of chosen before the foundation of the world language in, in Paul's writing, which, which sets us again on the same track. Wonderful security for the believer in Christ. Wonderful security for you this morning in Christ. Wonderful assurance that we're, we're safe with him. If you're, if you're saved, you are as secure as you can possibly be. You are as sure of heaven as if you're already there. But so many backsliders. I believe, I believe this, this comes from this truth, you cannot be saved and lost, being embedded in a kind of man-centered teaching in recent years where you can come to Christ when it suits you, where Christ is preached almost as if you know, you're doing him a favor by receiving him or something that makes you feel good. Come, come to faith so you'll feel good. Where it's sort of easy come, easy go, shallow, a kind of it's all about you Christianity which is in contrast to the Bible where salvation is a work of God. That, that's why the elect will be saved because it's a work of God and, and, and of course if it's a work of God then you cannot lose it because you never got it yourself in the first place. It's also why it's not a small thing. You know, sort of say a prayer on the street corner, your ticket to heaven's secured and off you go. Backsliding's fine, as long as you have the entry ticket. No, it's not a small thing. Yes, God uses human agents. We see this. He uses someone here to, to reach the brother or sister, but it's his salvation Salvation belongs to the Lord, Psalm 3, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. This passage, these verses at the end of um, James are about a backslider. That's a sort of Christianese word. But it is a biblical term. A biblical term. It comes from Proverbs chapter 14, verse 14. The backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways. It's a word that's, that's translated sometimes as those who have turned back from following the Lord. It's a biblical term. And the word uh, it implies movement away from Christ rather than towards him. A backslider is someone who, who is going the wrong way spiritually. He or she is regressing rather than progressing in their Christian walk. At one time, they demonstrated a commitment to Christ or maintained a certain Christian behavior, but they have reverted to their old ways. And you see the way the two are connected, you know, what you believe and your actions, your commitment and your behavior. Uh, there are two types of backslider. There is a genuinely, genuinely converted backslider and those with just the outward appearance of Christian faith. But how can you tell the difference? How can you tell who's a genuinely saved backslider and who has just the sort of veneer of Christianity? Well, we can't really. Certainly not in the short term. And as a preacher, 
seeking to apply God's word to, maybe to a backslider in the congregation. You just have to deliver the same message of commitment. Commitment to Christ, almost as if they were never saved. Follow Christ. Listen to his word. Live for him out of that commitment. In the longer term, though, such is the work of God and salvation that the genuine backslider will only backslide temporarily. That the Lord will bring him or her back. An important verse in this is Matthew 24, 13. But the one who endures, perseveres, to the end will be saved. Because God will do his work in that endurance, in that enabling, in that grace, in that endurance. Philippians 1 verse 6, be confident of this. He who began a work in you will complete it onto the day of salvation. Put those two things together. Uh, the element of doubt about who is who, in terms of backslider, genuine veneer of Christianity, and the true believer persevering to the end. And we have the keys to understanding James's closing remarks. Okay? James is speaking about a backslider. Bring him back. Bring her back. That suggests that they were in in the first place. Doesn't it? In the church. Uh, and, and what he needs to hear in the church community is the gospel. Whether he or she be a true believer who God is using the other brother to restore or an unbeliever with the kind of semblance of Christianity who's not a Christian at all. Gospel. They need the gospel. James maybe doesn't know either. <laughs> Only God does. And it matters, yes, but it doesn't affect the message in some sense because they both get the gospel preached in church, commit to Christ, follow him, live as a result. Allow him to capture your heart again. Allow your will to be submitted to him again. Bring your behavior, your actions into line with his, with his word, with his lordship over your life. Or for the unbeliever, it's a message of, 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 of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone for the first time, which, which is the message that covers a multitude of sins. There's a sense that, slight digression, okay, stay with me. There's a sense that for the backslider to follow his wandering path will lead to death in another way. Soul, the word for soul here, is a slightly tricky word in verse 20 that can actually also be translated as life. Okay? We'll save his soul from death. We'll save his life from death. is possible. Okay? In other words, think about the consequences of living a sinful life. Sinful lifestyles have consequences, don't they? Sinful uh, lifestyles are shorter lives. You know, you, you know that. Ask a drug addict where their addiction leads. Ask someone who's contracted AIDS by being promiscuous where their sin has led them. It, it, it goes down, doesn't it, into, a, into, a, into the grave. So it's true on that level too. But also, by returning... This person shows, actually, they were saved all along. It shows perseverance. It shows that, they, that God's at work in their life, and they are going to return. 
It's so difficult when someone leaves us. And, and I feel the weight of that. Uh, the elders feel the weight of that. Could, could, could I have done more? Could, could we have done more? But the truth be told, we should all have that sense of responsibility to reach out to those who are wavering, to those who are wandering. Could, could we have done more? Well, it's the work of God in someone's life, but he does use us, doesn't he? We're his workers, his hands and feet. A stitch in time saves nine, says Boris Johnson. We should reach out early when the, when the alarm bells are ringing before the bur- building burns down. If you get what I mean, we should reach out before that downward spiral starts in their life and, and it's only going one way, but we should reach out early. Perhaps you have a, a loved one that's on your mind who, who has backslidden and that's the way you would describe them. Don't just leave them there. Safe in the knowledge of one saved, never lost. Because it's once saved, never lost. Not once confessed, never lost. Better to, better to reach out. The true believer will persevere, but better to restore them. Also save their life from the impact of sin too. This message is so important that it's the message that James leaves with his separated congregations. It's the message he closes with. And it's this, look out for one another. Reach out to the wanderer. Don't leave them to someone else. For to be part of the Lord's work in restoring them is to save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Anyone can fall into sin. Be on your guard. Will you be the someone to notice and restore your brother or sister? Whoever sins comes to the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of the church, for covering, for forgiveness, uh, for their soul's salvation. Bring back Jew. It's got nothing to do with the American presidential election. It's got to do with restoring your brother or sister. Let's pray together. Father, Thank you that we have that assurance that salvation is a ball entirely in your court. And we come to you to commit our way to you. And though you do use human agents, and though you do work in our lives, and we respond to that, we submit to your ways and to your work. Help us to seek out and care enough for our brothers and sisters to help one another on our pathway in a Christward direction. And we ask this in our Saviour's name. Amen.